Hey guys, this is Kyle Williams of Kyquery Eye Productions on Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams Podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams Podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and you are listening to episode 117 of Chasing Dreams. And I have a fun guest for you guys today, another friend of mine who is, you know, he's a busy guy. So we've, we've been trying to figure out when he could come in, and he's coming in in between uh, works and projects that he has. His name is Kaya Williams. He's a native Chicagoan, Chicagoan, I guess is probably how you would say that. He is a film composer, songwriter, music producer, and master engineer at Kai Query Eye Productions. Did I say that right? Yep. Kai yeah. Query See? He's served <laughs> and advocated for several creative arts industry organizations like Chicago Ideas Week, Grammy Producers and Engineers Wing, and the Gene Siskel Film Center, just to name a few. His passion for music can only be described as a never-ending journey of discovery, introduced to music at the age of five. When his mother bought him his first instrument as a Christmas gift, by early adulthood, he mastered seven instruments. His love for various music styles helped him understand their powerful, powerful role in cinema. He's been an active member and advocate for the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, the Grammy Producers and Engineers Wing, and EARS, which is the Engineer and Audio Recording Society. And he is doing it up and living his life and his dreams. Kaya, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Amy. Yeah, we met at Podcasters Podcast Movement and only towards the end, which is a shame because I think we would have a lot to talk about. But I'm really glad we were able to get you on here because you are doing some crazy things. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I definitely try. Um, every day it's a creative growing process. I often get the question um, from young composers, you know, how does it feel to make it out? And I, I often reply back, I'm still moving towards that. I just, <laughs> I just been in it for a while, you know. And I think no matter what level I get to, I'll, st I'll still, I'll still feel that way to now, keep me on the edge and keep me fresh. But anyway, you're working on it. You've been working on it. Okay, what's your first instrument? Because you, you told me you, your mom gave you first instrument as a Christmas gift. Uh, what was it? I'm gonna guess guitar. No. Dang. Piano. <laughs> no. Dang, on it. Third time. Um, trumpet. Yes. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was a wind instrument. And it, it's so funny. Although I have a love for wind instruments, actually, um, I still use right for wind instruments when I compose. But I don't um, I don't actively play wind instruments. All, all the seven instruments that I play are applied with hands, but not wind, other than my voice for singing. That's it. Okay. So let's, let's what are the seven? Oh, um, I play. Well, this is how I rank them. Uh, my voice. <laughs> I play the keyboards drums, bass guitar, electric guitar, acoustic guitar. Um, I did say the keyboard, drums, bass guitar, electric guitar, acoustic guitar. Drums, um, so. Yes. Oh, drums. And also I play the strings, string instruments. Were those so, all self-taught? Um, now, the piano wasn't self-taught. 
um, how I was raised, basically, I had some teachers on the piano, but I knew enough to the point by the time I, I got into my late teens, early 20s, I was just um, on my own with that. And I would, I would, you know, also go through continuing education independently, but I had enough from being in it so long to just keep progressing on my own because a lot of people don't understand that the piano is actually the father of most applied instruments uh, when you look inside of the actual piano bed, but that's another discussion. <laughs> so, so do you have an ear for music where you could hear a song and be able to recreate it? Yes, I can. And I've done oh, that. That's before. talent, man. Yes. I, but I also write, I also write the notes. So I did, you know, I did have formal training and composition where I can actually sit there and write out a score and write out the clefs and so forth and so forth. But I got to say, that's an amazing talent. I've only known two or three other people that can do that. They can hear it and it doesn't take them long to recreate it. They could do it in the same half hour, hour or something. That's. Yeah. I mean, it's because, you you know, you hear something so many times, it's just almost in sequence that for me, my, my brain just understands the sequence and I just can do it. I and you know. love it. I mean, to, yes, I like to do what I do. Yes. It helps that you love it. But you were talking about having formal education. Uh, what's the most formal education? Did you get a degree in it? Is it? Yeah. So I went to I went to Dillard University in New Orleans, Louisiana. And I, um, I actually had, I have a performing arts degree, meaning I, I did. Um, I, I worked in music and acting. Um, I did have some of my teachers from Preservation Hall, which if you know, if you're familiar with avant-garde jazz, that's, that's um, you know, some of the greats that have come out of that. Um, Ellis Marsalis, the father of Whitney, Winton and Branford Marsalis, was a mem- member of Pres- and still is a member of Preservation Hall, uh, Maynard Chatter. So those were some of my teachers. So you learned it on your own. You had fun. You took yes. a degree in it and yes. you probably enjoyed that as well. I did. I now, did. Now, let me ask this, because people can take a degree in something they love. Did you ever grow to resent it or get frustrated with it because it's something you love and but yet hear something grading you, so to speak? Or was there anything you hated about formal education? Uh, not really. Um, there, there are times where sometimes you do feel constricted. But as I got older, I had to learn that really it, it's so funny. I mean, you you learn the rules to break the rules. If that makes any sense. Oh, really? Yeah. You learn the rules. In music, you do. You learn the rules to break the rules. So, you know, you learn basically, you know, learning all that stuff, notation and notes and scales. That's just basically you learning and apply a language so you can walk up to someone or universal language or other creatives and hand them a piece of paper or a file and go, this is what I want. And they can all, we can all see and understand that same language and they can get it rather than walking up to some, some people can get it, but rather walking up to some and going, okay, I want this. Da, 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 Versus saying, go B flat to C sharp, then go down to seventh and have it written on a piece of paper. And they're like, oh, I get it. And then the rest is up to you basically. So you learn structure. So what that taught me, my my take from it in different teachers is with the arts, there's nothing wrong with having structure. Structure is great, but don't let structure be the God to your creativity. Just let it be a tool and then go freeform from there and make it what you what you want, if that makes sense. And you must be doing that as a film composer in you the have- work you're doing. But what was it about the styles of music that you found to be important in cinema? Like how does music play a role in it? It's another character in the film. 
it can help it can help you know make the story greater when you understand themes and emotional points you know for making sense with that when you understand themes and emotional points it can just make the film connect with one's emotional center better um it can make the film more memorable you know and give it that emotional hook like um for example i'll give you an example um star wars mm-hmm. and who doesn't know you know but you know darth vader's marching thing that's you know very I mean? true. that's very it's, true it's, right it's another character in the film right so I hope I'm answering the question clearly. So I don't want to, I don't make sure I want to, I don't want to ramble, but that's what you're. No, I I think you give a great example. I'm curious. What do you think though, outside of star Wars is your favorite example of the use of music in a film? Oh, wow. Did I hit you with that? You're coming with the hard questions, Amy. Cause I have some, I got to pick one. All right. Top three. Okay. Top three. Um, I can't make it easier than that. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so I won't say Star Wars because I said it already. I'll say um, Save It, Private Ryan. Huh. That's um, yeah, John Wick, beautiful music. Oh, John Williams is fantastic. Save It, Private Ryan is one. Um, my second favorite. Oh, she only gave me three. I have so many. Oh, you know, there's no wrong answer, right? Right, I know, but it's, I have so many. Okay, um, the, the second one is Forrest Gump. That was that was you know beautiful. The music in that film was beautiful. Um, my third film, um, like was um, uh, I have so many. Um, my third favorite film. I'm just gonna go ahead and say Lord of the Rings. I'll just say that. Those I feel my- like it was like a. <laughs> I feel like it should be the consolation one though. It's like. <laughs> You weren't going to be number three, but I'll go ahead and put you there. I mean, mind you, Howard Shore is a very powerful composer. Yeah, because I have so many, you know. Well, I'm surprised. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to be honest. I'm surprised uh, because the ones you named, John Williams, uh, Howard Shore, Alan Silvestri, I think, is Forrest Gump. Um, All talented ones. Don't don't get me wrong. I love listening to them. Uh, Hans Zimmer, fantastic composer. I'm surprised you didn't name anything for Disney. Oh, Disney? I mean, yeah. I love Disney film. I do love Disney film. But as but, but for the power of music in the film? Yeah, I mean, but I only had three. Oh, okay. Fair, enough. <laughs> so Fair I, enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Wait, can I make it worse? Can I Is go it? ahead and ask you your favorite, few favorites, I won't give you a number, few favorite composers that you look up to? Oh, wow. But I didn't oh. give you a number. Uh, but let's not go past five. Okay. Um, well, we know about John Williams. Um, I'll say Hans Zimmer is uh, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And actually, I really don't have that, to be quite honest with you, I really don't have that many favorites. I can go and stop at three. I mean, there are other guys but that I can like sometimes, but I just can't say that. Okay, then, then go three. Yes. So is that John Williams, Hans Zimmer, and who? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I, I, I gave a third one. Um, um, that's John Williams. Uh, I mean, yeah, Hans Zimmer. And my third one. Oh, it's so hard because I have so many. We can also do top two. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're not, you're not wrong. I mean, I'm surprised by how many composers there are. Um, yeah. 
you know, the ones we named are the most common. They've been associated with these big films, but there are so many composers out there. Is it for someone who isn't in the in the industry? Are there composers for every movie? Um, there are, there are, um, and then you have this thing now where you have artists, uh, major label artists, for the last several years getting into it. You know, they'll roll over and do uh, um, their not or what's considered not traditional. You know, usually they'll do a rock record, but a filmmaker will hire them to score a film. Didn't Pearl do that? Yeah, yeah, they'll do, and they'll they'll, they'll cross over. And they'll just do that, you know. And so the, that, that's why it's, it's the, the walls are uh, between, you know, traditional film composers and standardized. Pharrell Williams, Pharrell Williams does it. You know, th- those walls are getting thinner and thinner for the last several years. So everybody's jumping into it. So it's not an easy industry. No, it's not. Not not at all. I mean, it's it's very relationship based. And the more you know about business, I, I feel the better. I mean, of course, your talent gets you there. But the more you know about business, the more fluid your relationships, I think. Has that ever intimidated you in continuing in this genre? No, it hasn't. Um, it's made me more careful um, about, you know, how I spend my time and what I invest my time in creatively. I can say that. That's smart. Yeah. Have you ever, um, I was going to ask, is there a film you regret composing? But I don't know if that's fair necessarily <laughs> because you get something from it. Plus, if anyone from that film listens, I don't think it's fair for them. So no, it's, not fair for them. <laughs> it's, it's not fair, but let me, let me I, change. I I, well, no, I'll, I'll answer your question, but I can't say the name of the film. But I'll say that I'll say that it was a film where I dealt with a director through a contact um, I would say if we had to, I don't really, I don't like to call people B list, but A, B, B list, uh, uh, celebrity contact and A, you know, I worked on it and that, uh, I said, okay, I'll take the, I'll take the risk and I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and get hired onto the project, but they didn't have much experience and that was their first film. And that's, uh, that's what kind of made the process a little tedious. Mm. So they didn't have much experience, you know, working with a post team. Well, let me ask you, how did you get your first experience? Oh, wow. So here's fun. This was funny. So remember I was saying I have um, my degree is in performing arts. So I also have a, 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 a music side and an act and an acting side. And that's how I actually jumped into it. You know, I started merging the two when I wasn't in front of the, uh, the camera. I said, Oh, well, you know, Hmm, this would sound nice here. And that would sound nice there in between takes uh, while I was doing um, actually performing or whatever part I had, you know, in the film. And it just grew from there. That must've been amazing. I mean, just to kind of be involved so intimately. Yes. Because, you know, you can, um, you can really understand, you know, the director's voice and what they're really trying to accomplish. So now that you're kind of, in the medium, you're involved in so many different organizations, associations. How do you, can you, do you, how does somebody become a film composer? I mean, aside from having that experience and the fact that you were kind of already involved in one, do you go to Craigslist? Is it LinkedIn? Like what, what's the process for becoming a film composer? Oh, it's very simple. They just um, go and buy a genie 
No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he broke the lamp. Turn around three times. <laughs> there's really <laughs> no defined. The, the, there's really no. I, I can't really say that there's a strong defined process because it's entertainment. Everything in entertainment, as we know, is very relationship based. All I can say is just really understand understand the structure of what you're trying to do in everybody's role. So you don't spin your wheels and you know exactly who to talk to to get what you need or become a part of what you want to become a part of. And that's really the best advice I can give. And put yourself in a position where, yes, you'll have to do some pursuit in the beginning and, and even throughout your career, you'll have to do some pursuit. But all, all you know, I would say make sure your power of attraction outweighs your pursuit. If that makes any sense, you know, work on work on the gift so much, even if you don't have a film project, you should still be working or trying out new stuff. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, this guy's music. He was just here in Chicago. Um, he just won a Grammy. Well, I remember. Oh, I was like, you know how many people that is? Yeah, that's a lot of people. I'll hear his name in a minute. Um, but Ed, Ed, oh, Sheeran, Sheeran. Huh. What he does is he, um, he's kind of like me. Even if I don't finish something, I try to make sure that I write every single day just to get in that, that creative exercise. And you'll never know where stuff, you know, goes or how it develops. I've had stuff that I've composed and started working on two years ago, stopped, and then get back to it till two years later because another idea came full-fledged. Full, full and then I, you know, because it wasn't its time. That's how, This is how I approached the creative process. It wasn't its time to be created. Uh, fin- but so I, I will come back to it two years later and finish it, even though I've had a lot of stuff in between that time and it came out great. Wow. That happens. And then there's some stuff where people put it in front of me. I'd recently had a project for an uh, independent. Uh, it was a, what I call Indie Pro because uh, it was uh, funded by this organization uh, called Free Spirit Media. And they produced the film. And I, that was about a month ago. And actually, I was able to uh, compose for three scenes within one day. That's not uncommon, but that's really a good synergy. Um, That's why I keep trying to tell people creativity is a spirit that you call upon. You know, and it's basically um, it was said best by the woman who wrote E. Pray Love. You know, creativity usually calls upon people, says, hey, listen, you know, I did my job. I'm here. Now you show up. You know, so... Mm. I mean, that's that's so powerful because so when you're when you're when you're young or when you're chasing your dreams, right, we see and we're exposed to so much of Hollywood. Right. But not everything is being made in Hollywood. Right. You talked about A-listers, B-listers, C-listers, but there are also different levels of film as well. Right. Not everything that's on the big screen is a film for is are the only films being made. right? Right. So when you're pursuing Sometimes we think we're a failure if we can't get onto a movie that's being put onto the big screen. What do you say to those kinds of dreamers who want to be film composers and haven't reached that that status for them? Is that the only option they have? What what advice would you give them? Option you have. The the industry is wide open. I'll, I'll tell you my experience. The worst fear has arrived. For um, the 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 tentpole, uh, what what they call what uh, Steven Spielberg called tentpole Hollywood studios, and he warned them about this, making these big tentpole fields, and they were going to collapse. Uh, tentpole films, I should say, and they were going to collapse upon themselves. 
um, because of things like YouTube and and the big indie movement and the DIY movement within the last seven, eight years, I mean, pretty much it, it's a double-edged sword. Everybody's uh, Everybody can wear the name uh, film producer or film this or film that. Um, I would say, you know, once again, make sure you just really understand the structure of this industry and meaning titles, you know, what an executive producer does, um, what a, that, and by the way, that's the person that usually, um, unless the directors, um, producing their own film, that's the person that usually writes your paycheck. Um, you know what they do, you know, everybody's job, you know, the rep- reputation of the indie studio they're working with or the regular studio they work with, they work with, you just, it's your job to really understand structure, you know, so you're just not spinning your wheels all day. Cause I think really, uh, Aside from having a hit or not having a hit with film composing, I think what discourages a lot of people spinning their wheels because they don't know that they're spinning their wheels, if I'm making sense with that. No, you are. Yeah. Um, and I think when we're so focused on one thing, we forget that there are other things around us that we could be doing in the meantime. Yes, absolutely. You know, absolutely. So the only thing I can say is just create every single day and pay attention. And not to be general, but when I when I say pay attention, I mean, you know, once again, pay attention to business structure, pay attention to, um, you know, basically, you know, where, where that film is going. Uh, make sure you're investing your time wisely. Um, you know, look at the reputation of the, the project. I, you know, you always have always tell film composers, no matter what level you're at, you always have currency. Right. Everybody in life has unique currency and it's value valuable more valuable than platinum, gold, or whatever, you know, whatever else someone tells you it's value. It's your time, you know? So when you understand that and you can truly define that, what is my time worth? You'll attract the right projects. You're so positive. Like, how do you stay positive with that? I mean, it's so intimidating when there are so many people trying to be what you want to be. Um, you just have to really, you know, wake up every day and realize your ability you know, you have the opportunities you've had for a reason. You know, you've been given the chances you've been given for a reason. And I stay positive. How I stay positive is, you know, I'm, I'm very I just feel like I'm very fortunate, you know, no matter what level someone, you know, sees me at or doesn't see me at. The fact that I have the ability to make things happen for myself every single day is just a powerful thing. Some people don't have that ability. We have to realize, you know, not to go too deep past film come composition and bring on the deep some people well some people don't you know you got to realize some people you woke up this morning some people didn't make it into this new day i mean you really gotta just sit here and and really ask yourself you know um you know what am i gonna do to get to where i need to be or what help do i need and don't be afraid to collaborate i think that's another thing that can kill or that i see you know, killing parts of, of the uh, creative industry, lack of collaboration. D- that's why I say DIY can be a double-edged sword. You know, uh, people can forget to collaborate or feel as if they don't need collaboration and really don't understand that your mind is limitless and limited at the same time. For example, I could put a purple block on the table and Amy, you can ask me, what do I see? I can say, well, I see a purple block, but if you cut it, it can probably be a bookend or it could probably be um it could probably be a bookend or it could probably be a part of a shelf. You can look at that same purple block and you can say it can be a, um, well, you know, yeah, but it can be a Rubik's cube. It can be a piece of art. 
It can be a, a table stand. It can be a, a mount for my car. It can be you can name 12 other things. But that doesn't mean that, you know, because you named 12 other things and I named three, that doesn't mean that I'm weak. It's just that if we collaborated, we could have probably named 30 things. Am I making sense? Came up with that example very quickly. It was very deep. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> because that's what's that's what's happening with creative industry as a whole. But not to get into that, it's just collaboration. I, I can say film composers coming up. Don't be afraid to collaborate, and just make sure you understand once again the business of what you're doing. Uh, being members of stuff, protecting your work, um, understanding copyright, being members of PROs like CSAC, ASCAP, BMI. So when your stuff does get out there, or to the what's what's called a deferred project where you've been paid for it. But the project is not released for like a year or two later. And that does happen sometimes. And you'll forget about it. But you have those organizations that I named previously in place so that when it does go public, you, you know, you make sure your royalties are coming in and you're getting paid, still getting paid for your work. Wow. I mean, it's such a vast industry. Like I, you see something on TV, but it seems like behind the scenes are fun, but complex at the same time. It, it is. It, it's it's fun. It can be complex if you don't take the time to do the homework, the not so sexy part, as I say. You know what I mean? There's some that's when you know you're truly dedicated. There's some things that are part of my industry. I'll be honest, although I love what I do, there are some things I don't like doing, but that's a discipline that I must do them in order to get to the things that I love doing. You know, and I think that that that's what some people forget and they spend a lot of time you know, whining all day and that's just not going to help you. It'll keep you in the same spot, you know, and don't, and when you're open to having epiphanies every day, I think, you know, you can do nothing but succeed and, and the sky, you can go past the sky, you know, because you're always open to growing and just continually educating yourself on new things. I'm, I'm still learning. I've been doing this for more than, more than I want to say 13, 14 years. I, I, I tell people I'm still learning every single day. I have to. Because it's changing every single day. Wow. I mean, so now that you've done film composing, right, you've done a number of different things. Do you see yourself heading in a new direction at any point, meaning producing fully or, you know? Um, I'm, I, I don't know if I'll ever want to be a film producer. <laughs> um, I've, I've kind of toyed with the notion of that. I just don't know. You know, if I don't know if I want the politics of that part of it, you know, um, but, you know, I, I'd probably be more of an investor. I don't I don't think, you know, and be like, you know, hire a producer or someone that I trust with that. I would love in the future as I get you know on an age, maybe within the next 15 years from now, 20 years from now, have a, a, an, a an urban film scoring camp, you know, where I can take kids you know, that have the desire, but not necessarily, not necessarily the finances, take them and do something like, you know, create a camp for them, a nonprofit where for the summer they can, um, no matter where they're from, they're from, they can be dormed and housed in a place like New York or LA and spend that summer learning, um, you know, about film composition and, you know, understanding more about film composition. That seems like a good thing. You know, you know, maybe that can happen. If you will it, it can happen. <laughs> if you work for it, it can happen. I believe so. You know, so that's that's one of the things of many, you know, so in the other directions in film, uh, aside from scoring, because I look at things as a whole, even when I'm not writing the score for it, maybe, you know, have a camp for young urban, you know, or young writers, 
you know, um, where they can go away for the summer and they can just, you know, develop their writing and do things like by the end of the summer, they develop a short film, you know, because I believe a lot of people have the ability to create. But sometimes there are environments where there are just too many distractions, you know, beyond their control. And it can kind of inhibit that or it can kind of almost smother that or deter that. Yeah, know? I can see how that happens. So, I yeah. mean, the other thing that's interesting, though, is that you're not in L.A. I am not. How does that work? Like, is that because, I mean, most people say if you're not in L.A., you're not making it. You're, you're not going to make it. That is not absolutely true. OK, so here's the thing. Even though I'm not in L.A., I have to travel there quite a bit. There was a point in my life where I was living there part time. And I don't know if we talked about this when we met. And there was a point in my life where I was actually past part uh, part. Uh, in addition to being at part time before before being at part time, I had to be out there like every three months. So to develop relationships. Now, don't get me wrong. As far as the industry I'm in, if you're depending on the level of film you're working on, you still have to go out there to shake hands. But because of technology, you don't have to live out there. It just depends on who you know and who you speak to and what hub you're a part of. Um, you know, also um, your environment, for example, Chicago, where I'm at, Movie Maker Magazine about four years ago named us the number one, that's a big publication, named us the number one publication in a nation to make independent film, period. And to make film and film gen, and, uh, film overall. Really? They named us the number one. Yes, they did. That's you fantastic. Can look up, it, was, it was four or six years ago, but Movie Maker Magazine, we got it that year. I mean, because we have so much going on. Um, and it's positioning, it's going, you know, the Renaissance and actually where I'm at Chicago, we have Cinespace Studios, which is also, uh, people, you know, some people know if they're in the industry, but a lot of people do know Empire that shoots here, that's based here. You know what I mean? It, it's the story is told, uh, uh, focused on New York, but that's shot here at Cinespace, Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, Chicago Med, all those shows are shot here. Netflix has three shows that are shot here, based here. Shameless on Showtime. That's based here. All that stuff is going on. We have a very big independent film hub. We have um, one of the biggest tax credits in a nation. Uh, Sunrise Sunset Clause. Knowing all the stuff, being in an industry where film—that's what draws a lot of filmmakers here and a lot of big films here. But then going back to what you're saying, not being in Hollywood, um, the beauty of technology and developing your networks. I mean, I can't give away all my secrets. But, you know, a lot of filmmakers, their stuff, their stuff like um, there's a film I worked on where I didn't meet the filmmaker for a whole year. It was during introduction. We, we just talked through uh, we talked through by phone. We talked by phone, email and Skype. I hadn't physically met them for a whole year, but finished their project uh, within six months, you know, because we kept doing revisions. But that's the beauty of technology. It's really I was so more I, I would more so focus on uh, the art of relationship building, not the function. Notice what I said, the art of relationship building uh, more than geography. So what you're saying is it's possible to not be in L.A. and be a film composer or be it in is. the industry. It is. The only way I will be honest with you is not possible is if you're working on TV, although I named Empire the Shooter, if you're uh, that's 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 one show. But if you're working on TV, then, yeah, you do have to be out there. Because that's a different type of workflow, you know, but film, you don't you don't necessarily have to be out there. It just depends on, you know, what your relationships are like. Good to know. Yeah. Well, since you're giving such helpful advice, before I let you go, I have to ask, what is one thing 
someone who's chasing their dream should take today? Don't be afraid to reinvent, reassess, and, you know, restore. That's pretty much all I I can say. You know, sometimes you have to pull away and, and listen to your own personal universe and have those be willing to have those quiet moments where you're not hustling to work on things and stop for a minute. And, you know, to make sure you're not on life's hamster wheel and be like, well, this is a teaching moment. What should I be learning right now? You know, what am I not doing? Or, you know, not as a negative, but either what am I not doing? What do I need to learn or what do I need to do better? Yeah. I like that. You're just full of the deep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just, you know, in closing, I just love my life because we had I read an article right quick that talked about what our average lifespan is in a number of days. And I think if a lot of people read that article, um, it would shock them. Um, We don't have really that many days on this planet, even when we're living very healthy. If you really understood that in numerical form, I guarantee you, you wake up every morning pushing for the best. If you looked at the raw numbers. But I'm just going to end it there, guys, because you should be chasing your dream right now. So, Kyle, (laughs) thank you so much for coming onto the show and just sharing your wisdom, man. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. And Dream Chasers, that was Kaya Williams. What a guy. I mean, film composer, doing what he loves, passionate about it, and he's not wrong. Just chase your dreams, guys. You know, do it today. You guys can learn more about Kaya and get all the links from the show notes page over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com slash episode 117. That's episode 117. Until next time, guys, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.